0: This is the Rocky Mountain Review Podcast. I am your co-host, Gabe Peterson,
1: and I'm your other co-host, Julia Battaliise. This is the Rocky Mountain Review, the live news show that airs four to five Tuesday and Thursday on KCSU that has turned into a podcast. And this is what you missed this week five, four, three, two, one. I'm Julia Battaliise,
0: and I'm Gabe Peterson,
1: and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain
0: Review. And welcome to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I am one of two hosts here on the show, Gabe Peterson. I'm joined in studio with Julia Badalese, my co-host.
1: That's me, yes.
0: Uh, In studio with Katie Otter, one of our reporters. We are joined in studio with Emily... Mershak. Mashak. Mashak. I knew, so it. I knew it. I knew it. I almost got <laughs> so it. Close. She is the new news director for next year. Yay. And we're also joined in studio with reproductive physiologist and associate professor Jennifer Barfield. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great.
0: Good, good. Um, she will be the subject of our interview today. Um, we will do that first off. And then we'll talk about New Belgium's newest beer. We'll go into national and talk about Mark Zuckerberg's testimony. We'll talk about Paul Ryan retiring. Uh, it's Thursday, so that means that Science's podcast is up, School of Global Environmental Sustainability. We have our music segment with our very own Cheyenne Duba, as well as a lifestyle segment with DJ Little Miss.
1: Yeah, and yep. we also have sports and weather. And weather. Yeah. Can't so. forget
0: that. Anyways, we are going to jump right into the interview with Jennifer. I believe you have a question for her, Julia.
1: I have multiple. Um, <laughs> so... Um, I'm not super well-versed, obviously, in reproductive medicine, um, but do you think you could give uh, me and our listeners um, kind of like a layman in layman's terms um, what is uh, in vitro fertilization and then as well as the importance that um, it has to do with like the American bison that you worked on? Sure, yeah. I'm, so reproductive technologies like in vitro
2: fertilization are um, – basically ways to create healthy pregnancies and in vitro fertilization itself refers to essentially when an egg is fertilized by a sperm outside of a body and a lot of people you know will say it's like a test tube baby it's actually in a little petri dish which is kind of flat and round Um, but yeah so the fertilization and the growth of the embryo for the first week happens outside of the body in an incubator Mm -hmm. and then that embryo can be put into a person or an animal depending Mm -hmm. on where you're working Um, and hopefully a healthy baby is the result You know, later, Mm -hmm. Um, and you can also freeze those embryos at that stage, and then and then put them into animals or people later. Yeah. So for the bison, uh, we've been looking at doing in vitro fertilization for them because we get the opportunity to collect um, reproductive material like eggs and sperm from bison out of Yellowstone National Park. Nice. Um, And unfortunately, that's at a that's kind of at a time of year when they're not naturally breeding. So we just make the embryos and freeze them, Mm -hmm. and then we transfer them later during the breeding season for bison.
1: Hmm, that's cool. Um, and then um, can you just describe some challenges you faced when like, applying this technology to the bison?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you, you know, when you first start these, this type of research, um, it's a, there's a little bit of the unknown. You don't really know what's gonna happen when you first try it. Fortunately, um, we have a really great model species in cattle. So this type of technology has been done in cattle. It's been successful, it's widely used. So we had a very similar species that we could use to kind of start the research practice-making embryos, uh, and it worked pretty well. And so we felt like we had a good enough technique in place that Mm -hmm. when we got those really valuable animals and the sperm and eggs from those animals, that we could apply that successfully, and and we did.
0: So it's called IVF... IV... F1. Is that the first bison that was produced for the, from this?
2: So that's our first bison. There has been um, a bison produced by in vitro fertilization in Canada. It's the wood mm-hmm. bison. So down here we have plains bison. It's a mm-hmm. separate subspecies. Um, and that animal was, the one in Canada was generated from eggs that were collected from live animals during the breeding season. So ours were collected from eggs outside of the breeding season from animals um, after death, basically. So we collect the ovaries, we take the eggs out, we ship them to Colorado, they're <laughs> fertilized here. We grow them for a week and then we freeze them.
0: I mean, it was pretty the the this cap that we're talking about, it um, it was pretty miraculous that it kind of grew up because I was reading that you said that it, it wasn't necessarily the healthiest embryo in the bunch and that it kind of grew up and it defied all the odds. Um, <laughs> how many, how many how many of these did you try to like reproduce?
2: Yeah. So that year we had transferred embryos into 10 different females. And this was the one female who got pregnant and stayed pregnant and you know, had a healthy calf, mm-hmm. um, but, and you're right. Her so IVF one as an embryo was not what I would call a perfect embryo. She had a little flaw here and there, um, so I wasn't quite sure if she would result in a pregnancy. Um, so yeah, from in from that sense, I was really surprised that she was the embryo that made it. And we also transferred her with another embryo, so she had the potential to be a twin.
0: Oh wow!
1: But she won out. <laughs> and she's pretty cute if you haven't seen the picture
2: yeah i'm looking
0: at it right now
1: She's um so what was like the goal of um i mean obviously to create a bison yeah <laughs> um but um what was the goal with uh the Lar- laramie foothills bison conservation herd
2: yeah so um through our research we've generated healthy bison a lot of different ways and and particularly bison with yellowstone genetics so as we were doing this and we were having these healthy babies we really wanted to do something that would make a difference for conservation of the species and so we were really fortunate to be able to partner with the city of fort collins and larimer county um, to establish this conservation herd and so the point of it is really to um, one bring those bison back to the landscape here they do a lot of great things for the ecosystem mm-hmm. to to provide a place where people can go and see bison um you know locally mm-hmm. um, but three to really be able to contribute to the conservation of the species because as our herd grows we're going to hit a carrying capacity of the space and then we're going to be able to give bison to other places other herds that might want them and we've actually already done that Uh, We've sent bison to Minnesota. We've had uh, a bull go to the Minnesota Zoo. He's now out in Blue Mound State Park. Uh, We've given bulls to the Madewin National Tallgrass Prairie outside of Chicago. And we've actually given two bulls to the uh, Pueblo of Puahque down in New Mexico on the Rio Mora National Wildlife Refuge. So that's really significant because those genetics um, from the Yellowstone bison are really difficult to access because of disease concerns Mm -hmm. but with our animals we don't have the disease concerns, so we can get those animals out into the larger bison population and make an impact that's super cool
0: yeah i mean is there kind of like hopes to like cancel out like extinction for these kind of animals is that the hopes of this project or like what do you what do you see with the future of you know, if IVF1 survived, like what's the future of the bison herd or other animals?
2: Sure. So the technology that we're using, uh, you know, in vitro fertilization and then freezing the embryos, we have over a thousand bison embryos frozen in our lab right now. Oh my God! Uh, we're <laughs> not going to transfer all of those embryos. We don't have a thousand bison to put them in, um, but let's say something were to happen to the Yellowstone population, a different disease were to come through or some natural disaster were to come through and impact that herd significantly. those. Embryos embryos could be used to then generate new offspring, um, you know, that theoretically could be used to maybe repopulate the park or even, you know, still go to other herds elsewhere that may need them. So they're kind of like this genetic insurance against extinction, Um It wouldn't necessarily just having those embryos, you know, might not be able to prevent it altogether because they're going to need habitat. They're going to need, you know, protection and and other things like that. But uh, it's a great step and a really great insurance policy to have.
0: I mean, can these last forever? Can you just like freeze like eggs and everything forever or um, yes or no? Yeah,
2: theoretically (laughs) for a very, very long time and probably on a scale that's, you know, we're talking a thousand or thousands of years. So in our
0: lifetime, like we could like repopulate if we needed to absolutely yeah
1: that's super cool um so what would happen next for like that bison do you guys keep track of um, that one, yeah. So she's gonna stay in our herd and grow, grow
2: up in our herd, and hopefully in a couple of years she'll be having babies of her own, mm. and so her her genetics will get integrated into our herd, and then through her offspring and other animals that may leave, we'll be able to kind of spread those genetics around.
1: That's super cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, has there like been any like backlash at all with like genetically modifying like a new Um, bison or have you not had any criticism from that?
2: That's a really good question because I think that's a very common misconception is that we're genetically engineering them or changing their genetics in some way. Yeah, because
0: it sounds like it's just like an egg and then a sperm and it just makes a bison.
2: Exactly. So the process that we're using is the exact same process that a a couple uh, would use if they went down into an infertility clinic. So there's no genetic modification going on. We're simply preserving the genetics as they currently exist of the mother and the father no gene editing,
1: nothing like that.
0: Awesome, cool.
1: Yeah. Um, is are, I have like one more question.
2: Okay. I
0: think. Sure. <laughs> go ahead.
1: Um, are there like any animals that you like really want to do that for? I guess like any goals, I guess. Oh man, um, I
2: really like the hoofstock species. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm really fascinated with Sega antelope. Um, and I really, really. I really want to get into muskox. I think they would be such a fun species to work with. What's a muskox? Uh, So they're up in Canada (laughs) and Alaska. (laughs) They're like those big, wooly. They're kind of short-looking. They have the thin uh, horns that kind of come out uh, Mm -hmm. wide set from their head. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have, I mean... I love a bison baby, but a muskox baby is about <laughs> the cutest thing on four hooves that you've ever seen. You should Google it right now if you've never seen one. They're yeah, absolutely adorable. Um, so.
0: so in this source article, it kind of talks about the last death of the northern white rhino. I mean, is there any conservation um, efforts to bring that back, or is that something that's not possible through IVF?
2: Well, um,
0: like if a species is, is extinct, there's no way to kind of bring it back
2: currently we haven't done that now there are teams who are working on being able to do that Mm. and um, you know if you have sperm and eggs preserved it's possible if you have embryos preserved it's possible Um, if you don't have that first species it becomes a lot more challenging but there are some potential techniques being developed with stem cells Mm. that could say you could take a stem cell and direct it to become an egg or direct it to become a sperm and then do IVF Mm. that could be a possibility and I think there are I know there are scientists who are actively working on that for the rhinos.
0: Is that kind of when it gets into like genetically modifying?
2: Still not. Probably not. not, I mean it's not actually changing the genetic code. It is changing the way genes are expressed. and, Hmm. And what that a resulting cell would be because, I mean, every cell has the same DNA. It's just mm-hmm. how those genes are expressed that turn it into one cell or another. And so it's manipulating that expression and not necessarily the genetic sequence.
0: Okay. okay. Well, I actually just got a text in from a car co- text in, I guess, not from a caller. It's on a caller. <laughs> but uh, the text says, what's the difference between a buffalo and a bison?
2: That hmm. is a good question too. Yeah. <laughs> so what we have in North America are bison That's their scientific name. In fact, the plains bison that we have here is called bison, bison, bison. (laughs) Uh, It's the easiest animal scientific name to remember. The subspecies in Canada is bison, bison, athabascae. Uh, And so scientifically here, what we have is bison. The buffalo, true buffalo, would be like the Cape buffalo in Africa, water buffalo in Asia. Those are really the true buffalo. They're a separate genus of animals.
0: Hmm. So like Northern American... Buffaloes are bison, pretty much.
2: Scientifically. Scientifically. But what I was going to say is, (laughs) it's also very accepted to call them buffalo um, because of their connection to the Native American community, and that's their word for the species. Mm. Um, And so, you know, we kind of call them by both names in North America, and that is accepted. But, you know, if I'm writing a scientific paper, it be a bison. I, I write bison.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think we're all out of questions for you, Jennifer. Thank you so much for yeah. coming on air.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. So
0: that was Jennifer Barfield, a, a reproductive physiologist. God, I'm going to mess it, it up. Got it. That's And assistant I mean. professor here at CSU. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break here at the Rocky Mountain Review, but when we come back, we will jump right into local. So stay tuned. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. and welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU for Collins. I am one of two co-hosts here on the show. Uh, I'm joined in studio with my co-host Julie Badalese. Hello. Uh, Katie Otter, one of our reporters. Hello, hello. Now on the mic and Emily Moshak,
3: the news
0: director for 2018, 2019. So congratulations. She's getting her
1: experience in now.
0: Yeah. So we just concluded our interview with Jennifer Barfield. We're going to move right into local. And Katie, you went to New Belgium last night and covered a new beer. Why don't you tell us about that?
4: I did. So. (laughs) Not loud enough? (laughs) Uh, Last night, I stopped by New Belgium to try uh, one of their newest beers called Hemperer, which is a hemp pale ale. Uh, The beer is made with the heart of hemp, or the heart of the hemp plant, which is like the legal part that is legally um, able, you're able to use that part. That's just so
1: funny. The heart of a hemp. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like a... It sounds like a, like a witch would be brewing something. I
4: need the <laughs> heart of the hemp. I need the heart of hemp. Or
0: like an artichoke heart, you know? That's yeah, what I exactly. That's what, was what I was thinking,
4: yeah. Um, so this is like one of the first beers of its kind um, because it's made with hemp. And it smells quite herbal, I will say. <laughs> quite like buddy. You just opened a jar, or someone lit up a joint next to you. Um, it's a 7% ABV, so kind of typical of IPA. Um, and is light golden in color. It uses four different types of hops, including nugget and cascade, and three types of malts, uh, pale, white wheat, and midnight wheat. Um, I personally enjoyed the beer, but could probably only get, like, one or two down in a yeah. sitting. Like, cause I thought it was, like, a little heavy, um, but has a nice dry finish, which mm. is something that I like personally. Um, but, like, something like citadelic, on the other hand, I could definitely have more than two. <laughs> <laughs> um and it kind of tastes like drinking an edible a little bit. Mm. Um, mm.
5: But no like that uh, no af- effects.
4: No effects. No THC or marijuana or anything like that. Um, I have a friend actually who's yeah. really into craft beer and cannabis, and he hated it. Really? <laughs> he, yeah, he thought it was really disgusting. He mm. said he could barely finish it. Um, but I personally thought it was okay. Um, but something cool about this, on New Belgium's website, they offer a place to write Uh, to your legislators to legalize industrial hemp Um, and they've partnered with a company called hemp for victory which is actually willie nelson's uh thing um and every barrel of hemp hemp that is sold they donate a dollar to hemp for victory which kind of just raises awareness about hemp and like how it can be used industrially and why it should be legalized and yeah um, but I had the pleasure, actually, of having a brief conversation with a bartender named Alex about the beer and kind of what the process was of going into it. And Yeah, th- we and ha- we
1: have, yeah, that. We have, yeah, that. We have that, that right <laughs> now.
0: Yeah, so enjoy the piece done by our own Katie Otter. I'm yeah. sitting
4: here with my lovely bartender, Alex at New Belgium, over their new um, hemp know? pale ale. Yep, yep. So this is kind of a... A unique beer. Can you tell me what what makes it so special?
3: Uh, Just the fact that basically we've legally added hemp to this beer. So we've used hemp hearts, which have none of the uh, effects that marijuana or any of the other parts of the hemp plant have, which is kind of a legal tie-up with using hemp in beer. I guess to backtrack a little bit, hemp and hops are very closely related genetically. They're cousins from what I understand. Right. So being that, obviously, hemp and marijuana have those kind of psychotropic effects or whatever. Uh, the government has all those things. You can't use that in beer. Right. But there are parts of the plant that are very beneficial, obviously, in right. terms of all sorts of other industrial capacities, right? right? So the hemp heart is essentially like a little seed. It has a little bit of flavor and it has some aroma as well. So we're able yeah. to use that to give you
4: yeah, this, this experience. It smells like I just opened a fresh jar of some, some some name
3: bug. here, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, it's, Yeah. Um, and I heard that in Kansas
4: they can't sell this beer.
3: Chances are, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different laws in different states, so I mean, it's a pretty slow rollout, from what I understand. Is it
4: the first of its kind, or are there other
3: kinds of beers? At least on a commercial level, for sure. Uh,
4: okay.
3: Um, I can't speak factually to like how many breweries have. Really been talks of reason that have released years with him and they don't know what they are but um, basically this one actually clears all of the legal yeah. red tape around it okay. so yeah did it take do
4: you know how long it took to kind of yeah. figure out the right not ex- or, like the right... not
3: really i mean so much of it in development anyway <laughs> was how figuring out a legal recipe to begin with, right. so using, I mean, just finding a part of a plant that we could actually use was probably the biggest hurdle, and from there, it was coming up with an actual flavor and how to get that to come across in the beer. so. Yeah. Do you
4: think other breweries will take your lead in this,
3: or? Uh, I would think so, I mean, maybe I can't imagine why not, Yeah, <laughs> but hard to say, cool. just because it is so brand new. Yeah,
4: yeah.
0: And we're back here at the Rocky Mountain Review. Uh, Katie, well done. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It fun. Um, yeah, so that was the that was end of local. We only had one story today, yeah. unfortunately. So I guess we're going to jump right into sports. I suppose that is me. Let's talk about rugby. It's playoff time for number 19 Colorado State Rugby as they take on number 6 Army in the first round of the national playoffs Friday afternoon. CSU comp- competed in the Las Vegas Invitational to get a look at the tournament style of play. During the tournament, CSU picked up three wins and took two losses, including the 21-12 defeat to conference opponent Utah State. CSU finished the regular season first in the Mountain Division with 25 points on the season, beating out in-state rivals Air Force and the University of Colorado, as well as out-of-state rival Wyoming. The game will take place at the Intermural fields at Colorado State on Friday, April 14th at 7 p.m. The winner will advance to the quarterfinals of the playoffs and face off against the winner of the Grand Canyon Life Game. Finally, we talk about track and field. The Colorado State track and field team expanded their already loaded distance squad by adding the nation's leader in the 3,200 meters, Michael Mooney. Mooney is a native of Broomfield, Colorado, and his 8-minute and 50-second split in the event is currently the best in the nation according to the Colorado mile split. In this week's U.S. track and field and cross-country coaches association rankings, the Rams are ranked number 15 in the nation for the second consecutive week. With this ranking, the team has been ranked in the top 25 for 12 consecutive weeks and are once again the only team in the Mountain West in the top 25. The Rams' next meet is scheduled for April 15th, and the team will compete at the NOCO Challenge, which will be co-hosted by CSU and the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley, Colorado. Whew, a lot of I, words.
1: I can't believe that. They're like so good, and I don't even realize it. I know. I don't think I've <laughs> I feel ever like every seen the time, track and field team. I don't, no, I mean I've actually been to like one, one or one or two competitions because I have a friend um, that does track and field, um, but I just like never realize how good they are.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then I, they're
1: like, oh yeah, they're fifteenth of the nation, and I'm like, oh okay. Yeah,
0: every time it's sports, Bjorn's always writing about them, just saying, you know track Continue and field, killing it yeah they're killing it
1: <laughs> uh, so
0: shout out track <laughs> and field
1: yeah anyway we're going to go into um national and global news as well as uh science news done by a uh, school of global environmental sustainability uh but that'll be right after the break so after stay the break. right yeah stay tuned uh we'll be back in just a minute you are listening to the rocky mountain review only here on 90.5 kcsu fort collins
3: KCSU works hard to bring you the best in new music, local music, local news, and local sports. If you would like to support us with more than just your ears, please donate. Go to kcsufm.com donate to contribute to our commercial-free programming. Thank you for the support.
0: Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU for Collins. I am Gabe Peterson, one of two hosts here on the show, which makes Julia Badalise my co-host. Yep, that's me. Uh, Katie Otter, one of our reporters.
4: Hello, hello. And
0: Emily Moshak. Yay. There we go. First time ever. The new news director for next year. Hello. Yeah. So she's in training.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, we're going to go into national news. National news. I'm going to throw it over to Katie. All right. On Tuesday, Mark
4: Zuckerberg started a two-day trial in front of the Joint Senate Judiciary and Commerce Committees. He took a tough line of questioning from senators pertaining to Facebook's handling of user data. Many Republicans questioned about targeted advertisements, while many Democrats asked about Facebook's response to Russian meddling, according to the New York Times. Much of the trial was focused around the Cambridge Analytical Data Breach such as how much zuckerberg knew about it at the time and why users weren't notified about the breach at the time zuckerberg replied by admitting facebook made a mistake by not informing their users also admitted was the fact that facebook collects data on users even when they're not logged in Reports cnn money zuckerberg also mentioned new artificial intelligence tools that were used to detect malicious activity in elections in france italy and the special Senate race in Alabama. He believes that these new tools will help protect the integrity of elections from manipulation on Facebook, reports the New York Times. Throughout the trial, Zuckerberg mentioned the fact that users can go into their settings to download their data. When I did this, I saw a lot of stuff that they had on me, um, including basically my entire phone book contact list, um, even of people who aren't on Facebook or I'm not friends with on Facebook. Yeah, um, I also saw the list of brands or companies who have my contact information, which included businesses I've never visited and companies I've never heard of, such as Randall Supermarket and their parent company Albertsons. Uh, Despite the trials, the company's stock was up 5% after the first day of questioning, according to the New York Times podcast, The Daily. Uh, And according to NPR, it is unclear at present what kinds of actions Congress will take following this trial.
0: Yeah, and we'll keep you updated on that story, because that is a very important story, and it's a crazy. I mean, yeah. you know, it's really unbelievable. Facebook is kind of an uncontrollable beast, so yeah. we'll see uh, how they're going to handle that whole situation.
6: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, anyways, Paul Ryan's retiring. Emily, why don't you tell us about that? All
6: right. Republican Speaker of the House Paul Ryan announced he will retire in January, reports National Public Radio. Ryan's retirement ends his three-year stint as the Speaker of the House for three years and the effective leader of the Republican Party. Quote, I'm leaving this majority in good hands with what I believe is a very bright future, unquote, Ryan said during an announcement on Wednesday. Ryan and other Republican leaders met with President Donald Trump at the White House Wednesday night. Trump tweeted a photo of the group saying that discussions were continuing on how to make America great again. Some Republicans are concerned that Ryan's departure will affect their position as the majority as midterm elections happen this year, as well as concerns about that his fundraising power will be degraded by his resignation. Concerns have also been raised that with his resignation, more moderate and or old school GOP members will leave the legislature. Political analysts expect the next speaker to be more in line with the president's political agenda. Ryan is one of the 46 Republicans who will not be returning to Capitol Hill, according to NPR.
0: Thank you very much, Emily. Uh, We have a segment now by the School of Global Environmental Sustainability as we do every Thursday. Yeah, so I'm going to take you guys right into that. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
2: Welcome to the Weekly Sustainable Digest. Brought to you by the School of Global Environmental Sustainability.
5: I'm Tony Vorster, a Ph.D. Candidate and Sustainability Leadership Fellow at Colorado State University. This week on the Sustainable Digest, Congress thinks burning wood might be a solution to climate change. But is this really an answer? The spending bill passed last month requires several federal agencies to establish policies to quote, reflect the carbon neutrality of forest bioenergy. The EPA has also recently signaled support for forest bioenergy. Calling forest bioenergy carbon neutral is misleading and often inaccurate. Let's first unpack some of this terminology. Forest bioenergy is the use of woody materials for energy production. These uses range from burning wood for heat and electricity generation to converting wood into liquid fuel. While this is a renewable energy resource, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is good for the environment. Carbon-neutral energy sources have net-zero emissions, with any emissions being offset by removal of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. The idea is that carbon released from burning wood is recovered from the atmosphere when the forest regrows. If truly carbon-neutral, forest bioenergy would hold a clear advantage over fossil fuels for battling climate change. The reality is not that simple. Forest bioenergy often emits more carbon dioxide than fossil fuels. Congresses claim that forest bioenergy is carbon-neutral, ignores the continued forest growth and associated reductions in atmospheric carbon dioxide if the forest were not harvested. It also does not account for the fossil fuel emissions released during harvesting, transportation, and conversion of wood to energy. For example, large amounts of forest material from the southeast U.S. are converted to pellets and shipped across the Atlantic to the European Union where forest bioenergy is considered carbon neutral. Lastly, burning wood for energy releases a pulse of carbon dioxide to the atmosphere. In the time between this pulse of carbon dioxide and the much slower recapture of carbon dioxide with forest regrowth, that carbon dioxide is warming the planet. Forest bioenergy's carbon benefit, or lack of it, compared to fossil fuels depends on the particular forest of interest, as well as how we assess the carbon footprint. Is the forest being harvested solely for bioenergy, or are harvested byproducts being used? Is the wood from a plantation or a natural forest? What is the source of the energy displaced by bioenergy? Replacing dirtier energy sources like coal is more likely to be beneficial than replacing cleaner energy sources. How quickly will a particular forest recover? This is an increasingly difficult question to answer with climate change effects on forest regeneration and growth. Forest bioenergy influences climate in more ways than just changing atmospheric carbon dioxide levels. For example, harvesting wood can change the reflectivity of the Earth's surface, or albedo. These other impacts on climate must be considered when evaluating the merits of forest bioenergy. Forest bioenergy may be a sustainable alternative to fossil fuels in certain scenarios. For instance, piles of wood without economic value are burned in forestry operations. Forests are being thinned across the western US to restore them to historical densities and reduce the risk of severe wildfire. Much of this material is piled and burned. If we are burning wood simply to dispose of it, why not use it for bioenergy instead? In the Pacific Northwest, progress is being made to convert the unused limbs and branches from logging operations to jet fuel. Alaska Airlines even flew across the country using jet fuel made from this leftover material. Another potential bioenergy source lies in the vast number of trees killed by bark beetles throughout the western U.S. The environmental sustainability of using this dead wood for energy is being researched at CSU, as well as the economic and social sustainability, important aspects of energy that can't be ignored. Is forest bioenergy climate-friendly? It depends. This answer is dreaded by policymakers who want simple, one-size-fits-all claims like forest bioenergy is carbon neutral. However, the complexities of this issue must be considered if forest bioenergy is to actually contribute to the fight against climate change. Next Friday at the SOGIS Science Seminar Series, Pat Keyes will talk about linking hydrology and sustainability and how humans can better manage our water resources. The talk is from 1 to 2.30 in 108 Johnson Hall. For details on this and other events, visit sustainability.colostate.edu. Thanks for joining me, Tony Vorster, for the Weekly Sustainable Digest from Colorado State University. For more information, you can find us on Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, or kcsufm.com.
0: Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. That was our weekly School of Global Environmental Sustainability segment. Yeah, Um,
1: written and narrated by Tony Vorster. So um.
0: Yeah, shout out Tony. Good job.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that was all on the uh, carbon neutral forest bioenergy. Um, And yeah, that'll be going up on our website too. So if you want to check that out, uh, make sure to look at kcsufm.com. Anyway, we're going to go on a quick break here, but we'll be returning with um, our Rocky Mountain music segment done by our own Cheyenne Duva and our lifestyle segment done by uh, Lily... DJ Loman. yeah, that works too. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll be coming back here in just a second. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Rocky Mountain Review, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Dr.
5: David. Nurse set up an IV. And you, her boyfriend, you were the driver?
3: Yes, doctor, but I didn't mean to hurt her. I only had a few drinks. I was just buzzed.
5: Just buzzed? Oh, then your girlfriend is fine.
2: Hey, sweetie. I feel great.
5: She's really okay? What, are you kidding? No. Not really. Nurse, get me a suture kit. Stat.
0: Buzzed driving. Maybe we should stop acting like it's no big deal. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Gabe Peterson, one of two hosts here at the show. Julie Batalise, my co-host. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, Lily is in the studio. Lily Fordyce, DJ Little Miss to Hi. talk about our lifestyle segment. We also have Cheyenne Duba in here. How you doing, Cheyenne?
7: I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Good,
0: yeah. So she's gonna do our music segment right after this little lifestyle segment. Um, so Lily, on your show the other day, you were talking about the benefits of plants, I believe. <laughs> I
8: was. I was talking about the benefits of plants and just like having them around, mm-hmm. um, especially in a workspace and a study space, um, as they can like help focus and you know purify air and kind of get the mind relaxed and ideas flowing. And so you're not you know just so stressed about like screens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's so crazy I never want to I don't know I mean like I believe it but it also like a little bit confuses me because I'm like really a plant's gonna help me now well yeah. I have
0: a lot of friends who have like plants who have uh, um, what what plant do you have that you just found out you oh I have
8: a African succulent. tree succulent yeah. Okay,
0: succulent so I, I, it's kind of like the the pressure of keeping something alive at the same time too, you know, and it's like it's like that's my baby, you know. That's like what my friends will say. So, I mean, I believe it.
8: Yeah, I mean, succulents are pretty easy to keep alive. If you're like looking for a new starter plant, it's like the best succulents are cactuses because um, they're you know they only have to water them like once a week, if that. <laughs> um, but they can just help you, you know, you know work, and it kind of like pulls your focus away from something else and can you know, just look over at a plant and see the green and connect with nature a little bit and then pull your focus back in, kind of feel rejuvenated and your mind's kind of more at ease and relaxed. Um, It's the same effects as like walking in a park, you know, after Mm. a long day and just stepping out of your, I don't know, normal routine.
1: I mean I this is I know this isn't the same thing. Fish and fish in, uh, in You did <laughs> in just buy a new fish though. I bought a fish though, I did
0: Very excited about if it. If
1: anything it probably distracts me more cuz I'm like look how pretty he is.
0: <laughs> can you tell the can you tell the audience the name of your fish? Antarctico. Yep.
1: What <laughs> is it? Antarctica? Oh, like, like Antarctica, but with like an O. No, it's like it w- it's like G O at the end. So it's Antarctica. Oh, Antarctica. 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 So like, go into Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> More like uh, from the band Antarctica Vespucci. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. I just well, thought. I just thought he was beautiful, and I thought that that worked with Antarctica. So. <laughs> yep. Was it like an impulse buy? Because I feel like that was an impulse buy. A hundred percent of impulse buy. Because I woke up in the morning and was like. That what was forty
3: dollars.
5: That <laughs> was fish. Are you
3: serious? It was
1: beta. It was a beta uh, fish. The the fish itself is twelve dollars, but like everything oh. else that came with it mm-hmm. started tacking on, and I was like, cool. Now I'm paying forty dollars for a fish. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Did you get the whole aesthetics for his fishbowl? Like you got the treasure has, chest. He and has a the... crusty
1: crab that he can sleep in. There we go. Um, the I gave him some some like shells or something that I just happen to have, and then he's got some pretty. Pretty uh pretty nice pebbles, if I do say so myself.
0: Nice. <laughs> Anyways, back to plants, yeah.
1: really. <laughs> oh yeah. Um well they can also help boost mood.
8: So mm. which is really interesting. I think it I know they when I look at my plants, they make me happier. That's because I love plants. Mm. Um but and an article from Healthline.com states that flowers associated with positive energy and events can act as a mood enhancer. One study found that flowers have an immediate impact on happiness and improve memory, especially for an event. Participants of the study received flowers like roses, lilies, and daisies. Hmm. hmm. That's really so, cool.
1: I think it's like associating things with like positive events like weddings. Hmm. Is it like. I but see now now I'm thinking if you're studying for an exam should you go buy yourself lilies? Oh, I definitely would. I'd be like, good job you, you're doing
8: <laughs> good great. Good job
0: you.
1: This will help me remember everything. <laughs>
8: Just like put one in your back pocket as you go to take the exam.
0: So does anybody other than Lily have uh, plants at their house? Cheyenne, Julia, do you have plants?
7: I don't. I have a fish. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. you have my My dude, my fish is 14 years old. I what? am not even joking what? Yeah, And it's a goldfish. And it used to be red, but then the color faded from it. Now it's white like somehow. I no, think I no. like
0: No, wait. A goldfish is are you, 14. It is 14 years, years old. Are you sure I your kid, parents didn't just yeah, sprinkle it no, no, in here no, and there. No. And there. No. No the Cheyenne, It's the same one. Oh
7: my gosh, maybe that's why it turned white. I'm just kidding. <laughs> definitely, no. This fish is 14 years old. Like fish can live goldfish specifically can live for a very 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 long time. Um, if they're kept well and if they have like a good tank. Yeah. And the thing is, they keep growing if their tank is big enough. So, yeah. Well, this I one know. just outlived all my fish and it's super old now. <laughs> I know
8: something that can relate to fish and plants. Oh, give us the right ro- It's called aquaponics. Down. And it's use oh. of fish poop and their nutrients to <laughs> help with plants. I don't know. You like cycle the water through like a plant thing. I mean, it makes
0: sense, you know, fertilizer yeah. and
8: fresh water, and it just. If they work. They work together. Hmm. Maybe hmm. you guys
0: should get some plants to, yeah. you know, complement the fish. You yeah. can buy like
8: tanks now that you can have like the plants on top, and it like cycles through, and so it's like a plant aerates the tank and makes it cleaner, but it also keeps the plant alive.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fish.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fish and
1: <laughs> fish and plants,
0: man. Aquaponics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Anything else you wanted to share with us? No, that was about it. All right. Well, if you're studying for exams, apparently, go get some succulents, go get a fish, um, and then you're good.
0: Buy some roses and some lilies if you're, I guess, yeah. studying for a test. Or stressed.
1: Or stressed,
8: yeah. Or sad. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, if you're sad, go pl- buy yourself a flower. It's basically, Make all, fel- basically all people.
0: Cheer yeah. yourself up. You can cheer yourself up in little ways, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess. Treat yourself.
5: Yeah, treat um, yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to uh, go over to Cheyenne now for uh, the Rocky Mountain Music segment. Okay. Um. So... Today, I am going to talk about Casbo's
7: new album, which is actually his debut full-length album. It's called uh, Places We Don't Know, and he's actually going to be at the Fox Theater tomorrow hmm. So in Boulder. I'm super sad that I didn't get tickets. My co-host, <laughs> Daniel, got tickets, so I might just have to like hardcore bribe him or just beat him up for them. <laughs> um but this album is described um, on Dancing Astronaut as... So this is what Kaz was said about it. He says, Conceptually, the album is about romanticizing a naive worldview. Uh, the ignorance is something to be cherished. There's something really beautiful about the perfect worldview you have as a kid, that the world is harmless, beautiful, and good. The more you learn and experience, though, the more you realize everything isn't perfect. So the less you know, the more beautiful it is. It's the things we haven't done, the places we don't know, which is the title of the album that have this unquestionable beauty it's this world i'm trying to mirror with my album the one that stays in your imagination Hmm. and i'd say that's actually a really good description for the album because when i listen to this album like i just feel like my brain is like being filled with sparkles and like my brain is (laughs) just like someone's cleaning it out with a toothbrush which does not sound fun but like it's, it's just it's just a really good experience to listen to this album all the way through
1: like refreshing Very refreshing. That is what I was looking for instead of cleaning your brain
3: with a toothbrush. (laughs)
1: That's what I'm here for. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I
7: would say that my favorite songs off of the album are... okay so your tempo i'd say that's one of the more popular ones i actually listened through it for like fully for the first time today because i just could not get past the first part because when the girl starts singing at the beginning she's just like we can sing her voice is just like super strange (laughs) but once you listen past that the rest of the song is just like very bopping very like summer vibes feeling yeah um another really good song off that album was stay with me that was another good headbanger for the summer and, yeah, I guess another way that I describe this album is Cry Slash Dance, which is actually a playlist <laughs> that Casbo uh, created on Spotify, where he just, like, compiled a lot of songs that make you really feely, but they also make you want to dance.
1: I mm. feel that, though. Yeah. That's, like, kind of my genre half the time. It's, like, it needs to be, like, lyrically, I want to cry, but, but like rhythm wise i want to dance yeah yeah can't decide <laughs> mm-hmm.
7: yeah.
0: can't hold me down <laughs> for
7: sure for sure yeah and i don't know about like the lyrics on this if they really want to make me cry that much i honestly didn't pay attention that much it's just like <laughs> more it's a very like edm sort of um album but it's not like a going hard edm sort of album it's a kind of laid back but it still has like a really good beat to it most of cool. the time and very just crisp and clear and yeah yeah and oh, one more thing to say about casbo um first time i discovered him was actually when he uh made a remix of big g's the little things so mm. if you haven't heard that song yet it's really really cool like it's completely different than the original and it kind of just reflects his music style in a really really good way so cool. yeah
1: all right well uh that's gonna wrap up uh, the music segment as well we'll be uh coming back here after a really quick break we'll be going into uh everyone's favorite segment that no one can check on their phone weather weather so
0: <laughs> yeah so thank you cheyenne thank you lily um, right. yeah, of course. yeah thank you for stopping by
1: yeah so stay tuned uh you're listening to the rocky mountain review only here on 90.5 kcsu fort collins
0: And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Gabe Peterson, one of two hosts here on the show. So Julie Badalese, my host slash Did you just
1: say your name and not say I'm Gabe Peterson? Did you are so Gabe Peterson? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyways, Katie Otter's back on the mic. Katie Otter and emily moshak
1: yes hi i was hi. hoping you also go emily moshak
0: emily emily moshak <laughs> that sounds cool. yeah, that so important. we've had a great show today uh, thank you jennifer for coming on um thank you to all of our reporters we'll get to that after i suppose the weather yeah. is weather discussed. is pressing
1: and important and people want to
3: know
0: it is it's gonna be a good weekend i'm feeling a good weekend for everybody out there so be prepared for the good weekend unfortunately <laughs> though it's going to look like it's not going to start off too well, because today's almost over, so you should know the weather, even though it is going to be windy tonight. That's mm. the one thing you should know. 20 mile an hour winds with a high of, it's looking like about 55 degrees, so it's kind of warm, but, you know, windy. So mm. any parties happening out there, you know, it's going to be windy. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> moving on to Friday, uh, tomorrow is going to be kind of cold. It's going to be a high of 48. It's going to be cloudy all day. Wow. Oh. That's <laughs> lame. What's the that wind? Sucks. What's the wind tomorrow? What are, what are some guesses?
4: Oh, uh, the... 28.
0: Hmm. No, 30, high. five. Higher? 35. Higher? Higher.
4: 35? 40.
0: Mm, between those two.
1: 37.
0: 38 miles. Ah!
1: <laughs> God, no. that's Don't even attempt to put I your hair down. I oh. wow. am okay. I am also
0: talking
4: to you,
1: Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank
0: you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, tomorrow's going to be a high of 48. looks like it's going to be a low of 31, so it's going to be chilly all day, sweater weather, but it's going to be windy, so mine have to wear the windbreaker. Oh, <laughs> my God. Oh, yeah. oh, come on, Julia. You know it's always sweater weather. And then right. Saturday to kind of end your weekend, because Sunday is always the saddest day of the week, because you got to go to school the next day or work. Even though it's a great day, but anyways, <laughs> Saturday, 57 degrees, uh, low of 33. So it's gonna be you know kind of a chilly weekend, cloudy all weekend, with 27 mile an hour winds on Saturday too. So mm. be prepared, <sighs> be prepared. You know next week's looking good, but you can never really predict the weather more than a day. <laughs> you know it always it always fluctuates, especially here in Colorado.
1: He's like even I, even I cannot even predict the weather. I can't, <laughs> I could. Can.
0: Be my superpower of choice. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Just All
1: right. Well, thank you again to Jennifer Barfield for coming on earlier um, to talk a little bit about—I um, know the word for it—but now in vitro fertilization—and um, then also having um, our reporters Bjorn Larson, um, Katie Otter, Raven Color, um,
0: JD Layton. JD
1: Layton. That one's Bjorn. also on there. You
0: already said Bjorn. Yeah,
1: I already said Emily Mashak. Uh, yeah. Um, The School of Global Environmental Sustainability as normal. Thank you so much for helping us out. Um, And then Cheyenne Duba and then uh, Lily...
0: Fordyce.
1: Fordyce. Fordyce. Okay, cool. I want to say Fordyce for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Slash Fortnite. Um, and then, yeah, thank you, uh, both of you, Katie and um, Emily, for coming on. Uh, nice. Thank you, Kate Peterson.
0: And thank you, Julia.
1: Thanks. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, um, thank you. Don't worry. You don't oh have to. Thank you, so. <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, stay tuned. We'll be coming back on a Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. Um, if you want to come back for all all the news, local, local national, sports, music. And all I would that. come back. It's the best news
0: show around.
1: (laughs) 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 All right. Well, we got the Rocky Mountain Review next Tuesday and Thursday, 4 to 5 p.m. Uh, Anyway, stay tuned. You are listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.